statement made. Next on this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. But there's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. Looks deep for Anthony Clark. Waits for it. Yes, Clark. Hey, 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 you can't be a Brady gets terrific. Closer, touchdown, night again. Schultz, just before Brazil got it. And a leaping interception by Woodson. Harbaugh back to throw over the middle. Caught by Closer at the five on his feet. Touchdown, Michigan. On his way. It's good. He's 5'7", 179 pounds, a junior at Michigan. But Jamie Morris packs a wallop, and he delivers for Bo Schembechler. And here's your first play. Pressure coming. Second. It is Glenn Steele, number 81, who fought his way through the traffic. Option. And Robinson calls his own number, and he's going to score. Oh, an easy touchdown for Robinson and Michigan. championship again because we're going to play as a team and when we play as a team and the old season is over you and I know it's going to be Michigan again Michigan Go Blue! I'm Steve Dace, and welcome to this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. And you need to recognize, that's right, you didn't know. You forgot who you were dealing with. Uh, they haven't played anybody yet. Well, they, they can't win without knowing your, against a real team without knowing your signs. They don't have their head coach we're, 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 we're doing due processless justice here and, and making very important statements about the sportsmanship of this conference. Here's what we're doing. We're kicking your ass. That's what we're doing. Every week. Three years running. That's what we're doing. Y'all tried everything, man. Called in Daddy Kamish, whined and cried to low T Pete Thamel. Pat, what's a testicle 40? You tried it all, man. You went the full Dan Wolken. You got Stewie Mandel to drop another dope rhyme. You tried. And hey, I, I, I don't blame you for trying. Hate the game, not the player, man. Got to do what you got to do. I get it. I get it. You, you tried. You did everything you could. 
You even had our coach get suspended midair and find out when they landed because one of his players showed it to him on his social media account. You did everything you could. And I'm not even mad at you. I mean, I get it. I mean, I, you know, I get it. Sometimes you need Bobby the Brain Heenan just to enter the ring with a foreign object just to give you that little edge. I totally get it. I get it. But here's what you need to get. We're just better than you. Our players are better than yours. Our team is better than yours. Now you're you're out of things to try. Tried smearing our program during a bye week. Tried getting our coach suspended right before the biggest road game of the year and arguably the toughest road environment in our entire conference. You tried it all. And it didn't work. Because we're just better than you. Hell. We told you what play we were going to run the entire second half. We got a first-round draft pick at quarterback. He didn't throw the ball since the 7-18 mark of the second quarter. At least not officially. The one time he did, you still got a P.I. You knew what was coming every play. You knew what was coming every single play. And you still couldn't stop it. You thought, well, you know, they're not really running the ball that well compared to the last few years. Maybe they're soft. Maybe they can't run the ball anymore. Maybe they can't just line you up and cram it right down your throats the way they used to. Except we can. And against the best rush defense in the entire country, allegedly. Only twice in the last three seasons has anybody run for more than 160 yards in a game against Penn State. That was us both times, by the way. We did that both times. Yeah. So, I mean, I I don't know what y'all have left. I don't know what cards you're going to play next. You've played them all. So, I, I guess you all can enjoy the... The, the Pete Feinbaum rants on Espen. You guys can enjoy your message board geniuses with more assurances of evidence of the plot to be unearthed. Try everything you've got. It just ends in the same result every single time. 22 games in a row against this league. That we have reminded you of the order of things. We founded this league. This league wouldn't exist without us. We bring in a third of the revenue of this league ourselves every year. Last week, our game had more viewers than every other Big Ten game combined. You're here for us. We're subsidizing you. I know self-awareness in America is dead. But not here on Michigan Podcast, it's not. 
understand the order of things. Shut your hole and know your role. And your role is to show up on Saturday, collect your check and your chicken sandwich, and take your beating like a man. Go Blue. Steve Dace here, and we get asked a lot, hey, how can we support what you guys are doing at Michigan Podcast? Well, now is a great time to become one of our supporters on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Michigan Podcast is where you can go. Patreon.com slash Michigan Podcast. And if you go there, we're going to make you a little jingle. Uh, in fact, you would have gotten these a few months ago, before the, long before the season even started. All of my 2023 football futures bets I've made thus far. I can't recommend a selection any more than I bet this myself. And last year, if you followed my football futures bets and you bet alongside of me, you made a pretty nice ROI chunk of change by the time the season ended. So keep up to date on all things we think and do uh, here at Michigan Podcast patreon.com at Michigan podcast, but more importantly, just five bucks a month. And chances are, you're going to make a lot more money than that following our sports betting selections, patreon.com slash Michigan podcast. Again, patreon.com slash Michigan podcast. And thanks to all of you that have been supporting us already. We appreciate each and every one of you go blue. Let's find out what perhaps the last remaining Somewhat reasonable Bucknut thinks Mark Rogers here joins us again this week on Michigan podcast. You can check out his channel here on YouTube as well. The voice of college football. Good to see you, Mark. How are you? Good to see you, Steve. I'm doing well. And I've been back down on your scale to somewhat reasonable at this point. I yeah, think. Yes, you're down to somewhat reasonable. Somewhat. And, and, and we'll see how this segment goes. It might even go lower than that. You never know, brother. Um, let's talk some ball. Um, your thoughts, first and foremost, watching Michigan on Saturday against a quote-unquote real team for the first time. Yeah, so I love uh, when we get down to the game and uh, try to size up the matchups, and there are going to be seven like opponents when we get there. But, of course, this is the one that uh, truly matters because you know that um, the intensity, the focus, uh, the effort, all of it's uh, – directed toward the opponent as opposed to games that get out of hand against the likes of Minnesota, Purdue, and others. So what we have here is Michigan playing bully ball, of course, with the now famous 32 consecutive carries. Uh, so in a number of respects, I credit Michigan in uh, trying to prove a point. They definitely proved a point, and they got it done, and Sharon Moore took – in, in some ways, he was ultra-conservative in doing that, of course, protecting his offense, protecting his quarterback. Uh, Penn State had had, uh, you know, obviously exposed some issues along the offensive line, especially at right tackle. Uh, and, uh, and, and Sharon Moore made the calculated decision that Penn State is a bigger threat on defense changing this game with a strip sack, deflected pass interception, something like that, than they are in their own passing game and so it worked. It worked. I kind of questioned it to a certain extent, especially since I think that there should be ultra trust in J.J. McCarthy, but it worked. And that's all that matters. Um, so Michigan's ground game and being able to, if not score points in the second half when they didn't need to necessarily, but control that game uh, with no threat of a pass or just simply didn't pass, not that they don't have a, an exceptional passing game, 
was was an interesting thing to compare against Ohio State, who couldn't run the ball against Penn State, but there was no Travion Henderson. So difficult to make that comparison because Travion Henderson has been a man for this Ohio State offense running the football. And Mayan Williams was the main back. He's lost for the season, and he's just not a dynamic guy. 24 carries, 62 yards against Penn State. So that is one comparison that – that. Um, is an interesting one to make. You know, I looked at uh, Michigan running the football against Penn State in the first half in particular and thought, okay, Donovan Edwards and Blake Horm have gotten 14 carries and largely they've been ineffective on 11 of those, but they had three enormous explosive plays. And so over, overall, that's effective against a Penn State rush defense that's as good as it is that Michigan can get those explosive gash plays uh, when it matters. Over the last three years, there are there, it's only happened twice that a team has rushed for over 160 yards against Penn State, and it was Michigan both times. You know, last week we were discussing, and I was frankly kvetching the state of the Michigan running game by our lofty standards heading into the season. It had been largely underwhelming all year long. And then lo and behold, in the game it was needed the most against supposedly the top rush defense, at least according to the counting stats in the country, it, it it with a one-dimensional attack, it absolutely delivered. Blake Horham had his best game of the year. Donovan Edwards had his best game of the year. Um, and I really think Sharon Moore just decided once Michigan got a lead, James Franklin, you need to prove it to me from a game management standpoint. You and and you know you showed some early panic right away by. Uh, going for two points there when it was 14 to nine. So you're chasing points the rest of the way. I need to see Drew Aller. Um, I need to see him consistently complete balls down the field against my defense. You show me that you are going to force me to expose my right tackle to a top 10 pick in next NFL drafts, Chop, uh, Chop Robinson. I got I to expose him again. You prove that to me. And I think, you know, they kind of played a good old fashioned game of chicken. And James Franklin is known for blinking in these scenarios, and he did, including going for it on fourth and six from his own 30, with still well over four minutes left, timeouts left, pumped the ball, probably bottle Michigan up at the very, the, probably the worst case scenario there, unless your defense just absolutely folds, um, and it hadn't up until that point. Uh, that maybe the worst case scenario there is you just get the ball right back again where you kind of started before and and instead they blinked and then Blake breaks off the game winning run on the very next play, almost like the defense kind of knew. Yeah, here we go. So I, I really think Sharon Moore just outcoached him from a game management standpoint, Mark. Steve, I'm hoping that in two weeks that Ryan Day and I'm hoping and, and also believing that Ryan Day is going to be from a tactician standpoint, a better game manager than James Franklin, because as you just laid it out there, I don't know what the analytics said on fourth and six there. The analytics might have said, go for it. Uh, Are these the same it, analytics that tell you to go? Because I keep hearing people say this. When it, when you when, go for two before you have to at the end of the game, so you know if you need one or two scores. That makes no sense to me. Why would I not preserve a one-score game as long as I possibly can and just go for two at the end? Can you explain that analytic to me? Because I don't get that one whatsoever. 
So we'll go there because I'm with you because what the analytics don't know is they don't know the confidence of the players. They don't know how good the other team is. They don't know mm -hmm. the stadium environment. They don't know that. And what you're doing is if you kick uh, with that final PAT to go to 24-17, you're putting pressure on Michigan because it's a one-score game. Uh, so, so that's an issue. There's no question about that. I'm right there with you that even though the analytics say – um, because the analytics are also saying that if you're able to convert two-point conversions, then you can avoid overtime in that situation. I think that's also a consideration to be made. So I think that's what the analytics are telling us. But with the analytics on a fourth and six, what the analytics don't know is that Penn State's defense has been stopping Michigan, and Michigan is playing the sort of game that's allowing Penn State to stop them because they trust the defense so much on the Michigan side. And then the analytics don't know that Drew Aller's a mess, that he's not confident. When he missed that third and six play before the fourth down, the third and six, Caden Saunders is running across the middle. What's going through my mind as he misses that pass badly to a wide open receiver is how many times between Caden Saunders or any receiver and Drew Aller, have they run that in winter workouts, spring practice, August camp? Uh, it's a simple in-cut right in front of him, and he misses it. And I don't want to pile on the guy. He's 19 years old. This is his first season. He still has a bright future, and he's still doing a lot of good things. But, man, that whole game overwhelmed him. And James Franklin has to see that. Great defense. Am I going to put it in their hands? No, I'm going to ride on the the first-time starter that is clearly rattled, that just missed a third and six pass that was right dead in front of him, wide open, but I'm going to give him a fourth and six play to convert here. The, with the, that, and that's putting the game completely on the line. So let's compare the two, Michigan and Ohio State now, with the one common opponent that matters, and that's Penn State. So Ohio State scored 20 points, one by eight, had a yards per play differential of 2.2, and was plus seven in first downs in the game that was at home. But as you pointed out, Ohio State was without not just Travion Henderson, but Emeka Abuka also did not play in that game. Uh, Michigan played Penn State on the road. So to me, I think this kind of balances it out. Ohio State having to play without its best running back, that's probably, he's probably worth what, a point, point and a half in the line, I would guess. You know, Penn State at home at, at, at noon is, is probably three points to a line. So. It, that's pretty close. You think that's fair? Probably pretty close. Okay. 20 yeah, it's fair. Okay. It's a difficult comparison. It's yeah. it's an extremely good debate uh, between the two uh, efforts against Penn State. Uh, and then if we flip the run game, so I, the team that runs better in this series, meaning the game, is the team that runs better. With all the prolific offense that Ohio State's thrown out there in the passing game, of course, in recent years, it's still the team that runs it like 18 or 19, 20 consecutive seasons, something like that. It's ridiculous. And of course, that's been clearly Michigan the last two years. But to flip it, so we talked about Michigan and Ohio State run game versus Penn State. Versus Michigan, Penn State, you know, Catron Allen made some hay there in the run game. So there was some movement there in the Penn State run game. Um, but Penn State could not run the ball against Ohio State effectively. So I would give Ohio State at least based on that comparison, just that comparison, an edge in rush defense. And of course, it's difficult. Uh, <laughs> Drew Aller was missing so many throws that it was difficult to to really rate Michigan's defense. But of course, in, a, uh, in terms of pass defense, but it was 
Clearly, also, Michigan was able to bother him. It wasn't like the, the pass rush was overwhelming, but they kept him uncomfortable. There was always someone right there, you know, knocking him down or getting close. Uh, so the Michigan pass rush was definitely effective, as was the Ohio State pass rush. Not crazy sack totals or batted balls at the line, but always made him uncomfortable uh, in, in, in the pocket. Well, two things. Uh, Penn State did run the ball pretty good, considering what most teams do against Michigan. Much of that was in the first half. I think Michigan really thought Penn State was going to come out and dink and dunk a lot and not even really try to run the ball at the start. Uh, ran a lot of nickel, a lot of three-man fronts. Um, and, and then in the second half, you saw Michigan play with a lot of four- and five-man fronts and play a little bit tighter in coverage and kind of dare now than Penn State to, to have Drew Aller try to throw into some tighter windows and made some adjustments there. And so runs that were going for six, seven yards in the first half were kind of going for three and four. Um, so I do think that was that was part of it. Um, uh, and so there was the, – give, give Michigan credit for the adjustment there. Not really sure why they thought Penn State was going to come out and try to uh, dink and dunk a lot with Drew Aller as opposed to uh, run the ball, but I think maybe based on what they saw against Maryland the week before. I, I, to me, I think we're back to where we were at the start of the year. My my power ratings had, had Michigan on a neutral field about a point and a half better than Ohio State and had each team about six points better than Penn State, six, six and a half, six, six and a half better than Penn State on a neutral field and then those three teams better than every other team on their on their respective schedules on a neutral field by double digits. That's kind of, you know, with, you know, Notre Dame played Ohio State tougher than people thought. But take that result away. And that's that's pretty much what we've seen heading into the penultimate weekend of the year is that preseason power rating I had is pretty much how it's played out with these three teams, including when they played each other and, you know, other teams. Kyle McCord's the most important factor in this game. He is the guy that uh, is going to have to spin it for Ohio State for a number of reasons. J.D. McCarthy's more of a known factor, and because Ohio State's still going to be, despite Travion Henderson's recent efforts against really good defenses, had a great game against uh, Notre Dame, Wisconsin, some other teams. Of course, Rutgers had a remarkable game, and in the past game he was utilized as well, had a big 65-yarder that broke the game open. It's still Kyle McCord. I'm feeling more confident about Kyle McCord's progression week to week. He carved up Sparty. I know that's not a Herculean effort or anything, but he looked really sharp throwing the football. And one note to Michigan's defense or Michigan fans that remember what Travion Henderson looked like running the football on short yardage plays two years ago in, in Ann Arbor very unsuccessfully. He's noted and has a reputation as a very talented back, but a very soft back. He's come back from injury and he's just been a different guy. Like against Rutgers, he was lowering, he, he was looking for content. He was headhunting in the secondary looking for contact for safeties and linebackers to run into. There were plays where he had already gained 15 yards, was headed out of bounds, and he was lowering his shoulder. And uh, I'm happy that Ohio State uh, chose just to run him 13 times, keep him in the rhythm, in the groove, but don't run him uh, too much uh, against Michigan State and Minnesota heading into the game. Interesting, the the cross-pollination and the recruiting process. Michigan really wanted Travion Henderson, chose Ohio State instead. Michigan then uh, ended up uh, getting Donovan Edwards uh, in that class instead. And then, uh, you know, J.J. McCarthy really wanted Ohio State. Uh, Ryan Day wanted Kyle McCord instead, and so he ended up at Michigan. So 
There you go. All right, of course good. those players want to go to Ohio State. It's America's team, Steve. <laughs> Gosh, I loved watching how many people were offended at that. I, I have to tell you, I love it. I mean, I, I'm a contrarian by nature. I had to be the new kid all the time in school. We moved so much. I love being the dark horse. I love being discounted. I love, I love the hate. I get motivated by it uh, in maybe in sick and perverted ways in all aspects of my life. And I just, I love seeing the pearl clutching. I absolutely do. I get off on it. You got to remember, man, my, my first favorite sports team growing up was the Raiders, all right? And Jim Plunkin and that single bar face mask and Jack Tatum and Ted Hendricks and Lyle Alzado. And, uh, and, uh, and I mean, I love those teams, okay? And so I love this stuff. I mean, I, I, I freaking love it. And I know he does too. All right. Al Davis is one of his mentors. I know he's out there saying stuff like this just to freaking troll people. All right. That's what the whole chickens thing was about. That's the whole virus thing. I guarantee it. Dude went back to his offices there at Shem Beckler afterwards and just pissed himself laughing so hard at the amount of pearls that were going to get clutched at what he just put out there. I guarantee it. I freaking loved every second of it. Uh, I've taken us down a path. I'll be real quick with this one. I saw this on Twitter the other day. Lyle Alzado in the 82 playoffs against the Jets ripped the helmet off Chris Ward, who ironically was an Ohio State uh, alum, ripped his helmet off and threw it right at him like a baseball and hit him (laughs) right in the head. No penalty, just didn't throw him out of the game. No flags. Yesterday, Yesterday was the anniversary of Billy Sims doing a karate chop on a Houston Oilers player, one of the most famous runs in Detroit Lions history. No flags on the play, brother. Back when men were men, and they didn't have a uterus, brother. Those were the days. Yes. Good to see you, Mark. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. Take care. This week's Twitter poll results. We asked you, do you want Michigan to leave the Big Ten? 58% of you said yes. 42% of you said no. Let me be serious about this for a second. I don't think the chances of this are nil. I don't. I mean, I really don't. I mean, I don't think they're high, but I I think I'd put it at 20% right now that this is the last TV contract in the Big Ten Michigan will do. And that's not nothing. I mean, I at, at the very least, there is not going to be a long-term relationship between Tony Petiti and 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 Michigan in the Big Ten Conference. That. That won't. That definitely won't last for another television contract, for sure. So, at the very least, that relationship's going to come to an end here in the next uh, sooner rather than later. Which brings us to our feedback of the week. Brian Phoebe writes: There's a dozen scrub teams that forget Michigan sharing Big Ten revenues is a massive act of largesse to what would otherwise be poverty programs. If they can't treat Michigan with fairness and respect, there are other major conferences that will do that. And protect your brand. Correct. Does anybody believe the SEC would be doing this to Alabama, Georgia, or any team about to win a national championship over sign stealing? Does anybody believe that? Does anybody believe the ACC would be doing this to Clemson or Florida State? Of course not. Well, the Big 12 would do it to Texas and Oklahoma now because they're leaving. But would they have done it to them before? Of course not. So, Brian, you are cash money, homie. All right, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. Don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, share, five-star review. Help us to find more Michigan fans just like you. And thank you to all of you that have done those things for us as well. And I have to give a special thank you 
to our buck nuts out there because your clicks count here with the Google AdSense just the same. And in fact, the money we get from you means even more to us uh, than the money that uh, we get from our fellow Michigan faithful. Your hate clicks and hate quotes and comments about our show fuel us and drive us. And with all sincerity, we, we simply can't thank you enough for that. So by all means, keep the hate coming. Michigan versus everybody. All right. You can also follow us on Twitter in between episodes at Michigan podcast as well. Until the next time next week, right here, go blue. I'm Steve Dace. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.